everybody, this is Hub, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. Man, we're reaching another milestone. This is the last issue of the original Titans run. Jibbity! we got a couple more that we're going to plug in. Got a couple of Brave in the Bowl. And we're going to do a Wonder Girl backup story that appears where she looks for Mr. Jupiter. But I might just do that as a Patreon only. So, we'll see. Anyway, as I was writing the synopsis for this one, I ran up against a bit of a hurdle. See, previously, I had given Aqualad some shit for what I thought was erroneously using the wrong collective noun for a group of whales. He called it a herd, and he called it a school, and I had thought that it was called a pod, and it turns out we were all right. There are many different collective nouns for groups of whales. But, as I was writing this, I needed a collective noun for a group of octopuses. And it turns out that there is no collective noun for a group of octopuses. Because octopuses are some lone wolf motherfuckers that are off doing their own shit by themselves, and there is not a word for a group of them, because... Ain't no groups of them. But in the DC Universe, there is at least sometimes a group of them because Aquaman can use his telepathic powers to control Topo, who is his friend who is an octopus, who is like obviously the best octopus, which is saying something because, oh man, no, I can't get into it. If I started talking about how rad cephalopods are, we're going to be here all day because they are objectively the best. But... That leaves us with the problem that I need a collective noun for a group of octopuses. So, I started brainstorming them, and between me and my wife, Lisa, we came up with a few different ones, and there's a bit of a disagreement. She thinks that a collective noun for a group of octopuses should be called a brain trust of octopuses, because octopuses are so smart. I, on the other hand think that a group of octopuses should be called a defenestration of octopuses. Because it sounds cool. Defenestration is the best word, and octopuses are the best animal. And it fits with, like, murder of crows. Uh, Defenestrate means to push out of a window, so a defenestration is the act of pushing out a window. So, I would like to hear your feedback back on this. What do you think a group of octopuses should be called? Also, before you start trying to tell me it's octopi, I looked into this shit too. And I've always said octopuses because I had always heard that that was the correct way to say it. Turns out, it's another situation like the pod herd school of whales. Now, octopi is a term that got started because... I'm sorry, I'm launching into a whole thing here, but I find this stuff interesting, so bear with me. Octopi is a term that got started because people erroneously thought that octopus was a Latin word, and the way you pluralize a Latin word that ends in U.S. would be to change it to an I. But octopus is, in fact, from the Greek. So the way you would technically pluralize it would be octopods with a D-E-S. But octopus has been an English word long enough that you can, in fact, use the way you would pluralize an English word which is octopuses, which is the way that it's most commonly used in scientific literature. But octopi has been part of the common parlance long enough that common usage, it gets fair use too. So really, you can say octopods, you can say octopi, or you can say octopuses. I prefer octopuses, so there's that. Let's see, were there any possible other cephalopod-related digressions I could go into. Oh, probably. 
But tell you what, let's get on with this Teen Titans story, shall we? If I was leaping Lanny Poffo, I'd have big drop kicks and fling a frisbee to the crowd, each with a synopsis. Teen Titans, number 53, February 1978. In the beginning. Written by Bob Rosakis, drotted by Juan Ortiz, with inks by John Fuller. Teen Titan Roll Call. Guardian. Bumblebee. Robin. Aqualad. Kid Flash. Speedy. Wonder Girl. The Harlequin. The Teen Titans' secret discotheque headquarters on Long Island apparently has a goth-themed storage room filled with half-melted candles. Mal and Karen have some free time, so they decide to hang out in there and read Robin's diary. I think Robin would approve. I mean, reading someone's diary is pretty much the visual equivalent of eavesdropping, and therefore a hallowed Titans tradition. The particular entry Mal and Karen are snooping on takes place many years ago, between the Titans' first appearance in The Brave and the Bold 54 and their second appearance in The Brave and the Bold 60. Let's peer over their shoulders and snoop along with them, shall we? This kind of voyeurism practically makes us honorary Teen Titans. Hooray! As the entry begins, Robin is trying to track down a mysterious cat burglar who's been burgling the shit out of Gotham City. Only when Robin corners the cagey crook, they turn out not to be a cat burglar at all, but rather, a bat burglar. What? It seems Batman has gone rogue and started grabbing fistfuls of jewels from the many Gotham homes that leave fistfuls of jewels lying around. When Robin confronts the caped crusader turned criminal and asks what gives, it turns out that fists is what gives, because Batman beats the crap out of his protege and scrams with the loot. What the fuck? I mean, if you can't trust a deranged billionaire who dresses up like a flying rodent so that he can punch people without legal consequence, then who can you trust? Superman. That's who. Once he recovers from his walloping, the boy wonder heads to Metropolis to seek the aid of a certain crime-fighting Kryptonian. He is about to enter the Daily Planet to entreat mild-mannered Clark Kent for help when he is intercepted by a handsome youth with a rad perm. Is that a young Tom Jones? Nope, it's motherfucking Aqualad. Turns out Aquaman has turned into a pirate. Hooray! The Marine teen caught his mentor using his powers to command his octopus pal Topo along with a whole defenestration of octopuses to rob an ocean liner. I retract my hooray. Much as I love to see Aquaman strike a jaunty Captain Morgan pose as he embraces a piratic lifestyle, when you involve Topo the octopus in your nefarious schemes, you have gone too far. For shame, Aquaman. For shame. Aqualad apparently felt the same way I did and decided to head down to the Daily Planet to see if Superman can help out. Wait, so he knows Superman's secret identity too? Sheesh, is anyone fooled by his Clark Kent disguise? Apparently not, because here come Kid Flash and Speedy, who both got the same idea when their respective mentors started criming it up. Then Wonder Girl shows up and introduces herself to the other teen heroes. She says that her mom, Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazons, sent her to stop her sister Wonder Woman's crime spree. So, wait, this is her first time off Thamascara since she was a baby, and even she already knows that Superman is going to be at the Daily Planet? Clark, those glasses are definitely not cutting it. Maybe everyone in the DCU is just humoring him about his secret identity. You know, so they don't hurt his feelings? Because he's such a nice, naive guy, and, you know, also because he could destroy the planet if he felt like it. Anyway, the teens decide not to approach Superman after all, because with so many other heroes turning into criminals, it's at least a possibility that he has too, and they're pretty sure they couldn't take out Superman. Which is actually surprisingly mature of them. I'm pretty sure when I was a teenager, I probably thought I could take on Superman, and I certainly didn't have the benefit of sea strength and limbs. The teen heroes decide to break into groups of two or three and capture their respective mentors one at a time. 
Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad take on Wonder Woman first. She smacks the three of them around for a while until they make use of her one weakness. The creepiest vulnerability in comics canon. She is powerless if tied up by a male. Yeah, pretty much weaponized patriarchy. You know, as, as if there were another kind. Next up is Wonder Girl and Speedy teaming up to take on the Flash. He dodges Speedy's trick arrows for a minute until Wonder Girl vibrates her magic lasso at a frequency to match his speed, which I guess is a thing she can do, ties him up and orders him to surrender. Aquaman and Batman are quickly rounded up as well. Like, each gets a single panel quickly. The four defeated hero-turned-villains are tied up with Wonder Girl's lariat and left outside the Justice League's Mount Justice headquarters. Ah, I always liked that headquarters. I mean, it's no secret discotheque headquarters on Long Island, but I always liked the idea of the Justice League hanging out in Rhode Island. Like, drinking coffee milk, calling milkshakes cabinets, eating quahogs, going to Paw Sox games. These are some of the fun Rhode Island things the Justice League might have done. But it's not all quahogs and cabinets for our young heroes. They've got work to do. Aqualad and Kid Flash head off to round up Evil Green Arrow, while Robin leads the rest of the squad inside Mount Justice to seek out the rest of the League and find out if they've turned bad as well. As soon as the trio of Titanic teens step inside the hideout, they are confronted by a giant... Um... Being, I guess? Look, I'm sure Cory and I are going to discuss this thing's appearance more in a little bit, but... Basically, it looks like a three-story tall octogenarian sea monkey with a skullet, a turquoise and orange vest, and what looks like a battery charger hooked up to its junk. It introduces itself as the antithesis, so I guess it's a fan of Hegel, and explains that it is some kind of intergalactic entity who is made of energy and gets stronger when people successfully commit crimes. So it came to Earth, selected five powerful heroes, and made them crime it up to power its Energon crime cubes, or whatever. Makes sense. Only, since the teens started foiling their mentor's robberies, it's been growing steadily weaker. If Green Arrow is foiled in his current crime commission, the antithesis will pretty much dissolve and be scattered across the universe. Just as it's finishing its exposition, we see Aqualad and Kid Flash battling the ensorcelled Emerald Archer. Kid Flash hurls the marine marvel at Green Arrow. Then Aqualad delivers a super-speeded, sea-strengthened, double-fisted diving punch right to Ollie Queen's crotch. Damn. You know what? I'm going to want to see a paternity test on Connor Hawk, because there is no way Ollie's reproductive equipment is not compromised. Like, you could just show that panel at a child support payment hearing and be like, no, there is no way that is my kid. Here is my proof. Anyway. As soon as the double punch to the junk lands, the antithesis vanishes, never to be seen again. Well, not until 1989 anyway, when he shows up in Secret Origins Annual, looking kind of like a Cthulhu Ugly Ball hybrid. The teens celebrate their victory and are congratulated by their no longer evil mentors. Well, except for Green Arrow. I get the feeling it'll be a while before he's congratulating anybody. The teen heroes decide to form a team. Wonder Girl suggests the name Titans, and for some reason, Aqualad insists they add the modifier Teen to it. Because if there's one thing that teens always insist upon, it's that everyone be reminded that they are not yet adults. Speedy says that he doesn't feel like being a full-time member, but he will totally help out if they ever need to go to the Olympics or fight a robotic lamprey eel. And thus, a legend is born. Hooray. Back in the 70s, at the secret discotheque headquarters on Long Island, Speedy, Robin, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, and Harlequin join Mal and Karen in the goth storage room. 
Roy gives a speech about how they've all outgrown the Teen Titan, and even though they've squabbled a bunch, they all really loved each other. They wish each other luck, and all head off in different directions on their separate ways. As he walks away, a single tear rolls down Speedy's cheek, like that old Italian man dressed as a Native American stereotype when he saw some litter. I guess Speedy's not so bad after all. Oh, wait. I forgot to mention that before he leaves, he does manage to give Harlequin one last super creepy non-consensual shoulder massage. After all, he is still Roy. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This is it. This is the final issue of the Teen Titans original series. It's hard to believe. I know. Like, we're going to do some of the tie-in issues that were with the series, but we did it. We did the whole Teen Titans series. I'm amazed. Me too. Here's to us. Who's like us? So, what'd you think? Well, you know, it's bittersweet. In some ways, I think I could say that this might be the antithesis of what I expected. Oh, a Not a cliffhanger, but a, uh, what I expected, like, the, the, the book end of this enjoyable series to, to be. It started with batshit crazy, and I wanted it to end that way, and I didn't really get what I wanted. Yeah, I know. There's certainly some batshit crazy in here, but no, it... it... I enjoyed it, and I read it a couple of times, and I liked it more on successive readings, but initially, it's just such a straightforward, Mm -hmm. here's what really happened, and I don't know, in general, I'm not crazy about retconning, and this is the first big retcon of the Titan story that happens, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, this is supposed to be plugged in, I think, between Brave and the Bold 54 and, was it, like, Showcase 58 or whatever it was that their second appearance was mm-hmm. and yeah but as i said on, on further rereadings i think for the most part rosakis actually does a pretty decent job of recreating a silver age feel for the back story of it i would agree with that and i think that's impressive and i think it shows that he has like a lot of reverence for the original run of the titans and their series and i think that came through in a, in a number of ways and i like that he does try to keep it within the lines of what had happened previously and actually paid attention to what had happened previously. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that it made me remember back to the first encounter with old Brom Stick and his his nasty weather ways. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Brom Stick. He was a good bad guy. He he was a perfect first bad guy for the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Even if, as they point out, they were not calling themselves that at that point. Yep. I just wants his fucking pigeon feathers, man. Yeah, seriously. And they owed him those pigeon feathers. That was legit. Yeah. Was legit he had a complaint. legit beef with that town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, enslaving their teenagers, maybe not the best way to go about staking that claim. But, well, yeah. there's this no but. He should not have done that. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be not. a Bromstick apologist here. Yeah, there's not. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he was... Uh, it's a douchey tea party dude, and yep. no thanks. Yeah, real gargoyle. Yeah, real. Uh, yeah, apparently, I like I haven't read this stuff, but I've seen some pictures of it, and the original Teen Titans are in a series now, and they're like fighting the gargoyle, which is crazy to me, and like it's mm. talking back to what happened in the '60s, which is weird because I thought that DC was just like erasing all of their previous history. With their relaunch. But. I'd be curious to read that. And I would be curious to see if they draw the gargoyle without those dishwasher gloves. Oh, man. If they do, then it's garbage. 
You think he needs to? Have he needs the gloves. dishwasher gloves. Oh. Otherwise, otherwise his 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 <laughs> ring shaped like his own head is gonna fit funny. His old shtick will be. Complete. Yeah. Next thing you, you you're saying that maybe he won't be vulnerable to tiny pliers. Maybe he's just afraid of them. <laughs> or still. Calypso dance games. <laughs> Not the limbo. <laughs> no. Oh, gargoyle. But back to this issue. Yes. You said it wasn't batshit crazy, and you're right, it wasn't. But there was definitely enough to talk about that was that was interesting going on in here. First of all, Topo. What the fuck, Topo? Dude, Topo does what he's told. Yeah. It, it's that's I, true. And none of these sea creatures have any say in this matter. Aquaman has telepathic control over them. Corey and I are both big fans of Topo, or at least the idea of Topo, Aquaman's octopus pal. I think he had a walrus named Tusky, too. Aww. Yeah, it was a nice time. I'm surprised Beaky didn't make an appearance in this issue. That would have been nice. You're surprised the the fictional (laughs) character that I created this year uh, didn't appear in that comic. It was, frankly, I was a little bit hurt. But uh, but it, it was it was nice to see Topo. It was nice to see Aquaman as a pirate. That's the funniest thing in this whole dude. Issue. The the pose that he strikes when he's just he seemed to be reveling in his villainy more than any of the other heroes turned villains were, and just really having fun with it. There's this scene where he's when Aqualad first finds him in the cave, and he is just posing thrusting his pelvis forward, grinning his ass off, and flexing for his uh, for his octopus friends. Kind of like doing a fist bump, arm flex, like, yeah. wide-kneed squat hero, hero pose. Yeah, but villain. Oh, it was hilarious. It's terrific. So that was really nice. It also seemed like, I don't know, I haven't actually read that much Aquaman solo stuff. There was something like Garth Aqualad? He was kind of spoiling for a fight with Aquaman. He was super disappointed that he didn't get to go punch his mentor. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is like my one shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a legit gripe here, and he won't be mad at me later. I can will on this dude. And the other guys are like, no, no, we're not going to fight our own mentors. It's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. There's no real reason for it either. Mm-hmm. Like... They bring up the fact that, like, no, he'll be able to counter you easily because he knows you too well. Yep. Yeah, but you've got two other guys with you. Yeah. Minimum. Mm-hmm. They, there's no reason why they all couldn't have confronted each of them individually since they're confronting them all in groups anyway. True. There was also a thing where there's an editor's note that says, Wonder Girl is Wonder Woman's stepsister. Mm-hmm. No, she's not. I was confused by that. I was going to ask you how that worked it doesn't it's they she is wonder woman's adopted sister mm-hmm. she was the orphan from that building mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that's what queen i queen hippolyta didn't marry her dad or she did and then she got mad and she or her or burnt, her mom burnt him up maybe that is it maybe the editor has work. some secret information yeah that yeah one of her parents was hippolyta's spurned lover mm-hmm and then she felt bad, so she adopted. But I don't think that would still, like... like I don't think that would make you the step if they're not actually married still. Although I guess it was the wicked stepmother in, uh... Well, it depends. Did the divorce get finalized? Yeah, we don't know. That's true. There's a lot of legal loopholes. I, there's so much I don't know about Amazonian law. Yeah, or just law. <laughs> no, just the Amazonian law. Law in general. I'm a little iffy on maritime law. 
Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll grant you that. Okay, thanks for clarifying. And I'm a little iffy on Amazonian law. Uh-huh. I don't know how they run shit on Themyscira. Can't know no men are allowed there. Hmm. Well, that's, so, that's a good thing. Otherwise, they'd be binding up all the females and making them have to do yeah. whatever they say. So, I did that. I hadn't heard I that gotta before. Say, was no, that, that, is, that is canonical. That is a real thing that has been since Wonder Woman's inception. Mm. Her Achilles heel, her kryptonite, is that if she is bound by a male, then she is helpless. She loses her powers. What the fuck is the reason for that? It's like, we made a female character that's too powerful, so we gotta have some, like, loophole to make it not too scary for the 14-year-old guys reading the comics? Or, like, I don't get it. No, I mean, that, I I understand that reading of it. It was, it's actually a little bit, both more and less complicated than that. Um, The reasoning initially behind it, I think, was supposed to be, there's a really fascinating book that I read, uh, The Secret Origin of Wonder Woman. (laughs) by a woman named Jill Lepore, and it's a really good book. It skips over a lot of Wonder Woman stuff. It really should be called The Secret Origin of Wonder Woman rather than The Secret History of Wonder Woman Mm. uh, because it talks about how she was created and the guy that created her and then his wives who carried on the, um, the creation. But he was a fascinating dude. It's William Marston Moulton. He also invented the lie detector test. And he was a sociologist and lawyer who graduated from Harvard and was kind of a kind of a C minus professor who kept bouncing around different places. But he was very involved and very interested in feminist feminism. And she was purposefully created to be a feminist icon. Hmm. Uh, And I think the idea of it was supposed to be more symbolic of the fact that and I'm probably, I'm probably fucking this up, but I think the idea was supposed to be... It was kind of twofold. First of all, I think it was supposed to be something along the lines of symbolic of that the only thing that can silence and invalidate the women's struggle is the patriarchy and shit like that. And that, like, why would you want to depower a woman when she's so wonderful and great, but that's the only thing that can do it is the society. Something along the lines, it's very muddied. The real answer, honestly, dude was pretty into bondage stuff. Wait, the creator of Wonder yeah. Woman? Oh, yeah. Okay. And he actually found that there was a liberation that he felt in submission. And so there, there's that whole, which I don't know very much at all about the bondage community, but it, it had something... That was basically, it was kind of his fetish and he wanted to incorporate it into the comic books, which is how a lot of Wonder Woman stuff ended up in there. He was really... That is fascinating. Uh, you don't know the half of it. Uh, really, he was, I should read that uh, he, was, huh. he was a polygamist. Oh, so um, when you said wives, you yeah. didn't mean like divorced and subsequent? No. Um, they, they all lived together. Uh, he had children with each of them. Uh, one of them was Margaret Sanger's niece. As yeah, it, it's really, really interesting stuff. But it also leads to yes, what is undoubtedly the creepiest kryptonite of all. Mm-hmm. A- and just like it would, it would be like if Superman's like, "Oh no, my one weakness being spanked." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's. It's really, really creepy, and especially the way that Robin kind of lords it over her. 
makes it a little bit creepier in this too. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm getting a ton of facts wrong about both the symbolism of bondage shit and the actual facts about uh, William Marston Moulton. Possibly even his name, it might be Moulton Marston. But he was a really, really interesting and complex dude. And, and nobody and, understands him except his women's. <laughs> yes. Although even then. And after he died, they continued to live together uh, well into their 90s until they both actually died. And they kind of... I, I feel I'm very much slighting both. I, I cannot remember either of their names. Uh, but they were also very accomplished academics. And really, it would have been so much more fitting if they had taken over the comic book uh, after his passing than what did happen, which is Robert Koeniger, who actually wrote some issues of the Teen Titans, took it over. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty misogynistic, and really she took several steps backwards and became kind of a man-crazy character who was always trying to trap Steve Trevor into marrying her. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> But one of the problems that I had with this, this book is it glossed over, and it's like, these these years aren't even worth touching on. I'm like, okay, I I want to argue with that, but I I get it. Um, they they are. I would like to hear your analysis of them, but if you don't want to dwell on that, it's less interesting to you. Okay, but I also just talked, just kind of glossed over the intervening years and in which Wonder Woman lost her powers, which was yes misguided, but there was some interesting thoughts behind it and what happened in those stories was actually very interesting and there was it only ended up being two issues that were written by samuel delaney who's fucking rad as hell and he had there there was the first there was the what became known as the notorious women's lib issue of wonder woman and then after the very next issue they were like oh we bowed to pressure and we brought her powers back but that was so that they didn't have to release the story that he had written which was a six-part arc that was going to end with wonder woman having a fight with protesters outside an abortion clinic. What what era or what? This is uh, late 60s, early 70s. I oh, think. shit. Wow. That's yeah. Pretty recent It's stuff fucking awesome. Huh. So, yeah, they fired Samuel Delaney and brought uh, back Robert Koeniger, hmm. which was not great. Although I did like what Robert Koeniger did in this because he gave us Mal. Mm-hmm. That's true. Thanks, Koeniger. Hey. Sort of. I mean, definitely thanks for Mal, but, you know. Yeah, you could have been better. Sorry, that was a huge diatribe uh, and total divergence. But that's okay. uh, that's the origin of Wonder Woman's shit. I was wondering. Yeah. And I think it was also just if you introduce the idea of bondage, there was a lot of imagery of her breaking shackles, which had been used in a lot of suffragist um, mm -hmm. pamphlets and cartoons. And so that she could do that was more mm -hmm. of a thing fascinating stuff yes very it, it really is you guys should totally read that book it's by jill lapore and it's really good what it does not explain is how wonder girl can suddenly make her lasso vibrate to match flash's vibrations i wondered that as well doesn't make any sense well the panel zooms in on her wrist right so ostensibly she's got she's very nimble powerful wrists. nimble wrists okay i'm just gonna leave that at that because i don't want to get too creepy <laughs> <laughs> she has powerful nimble wrists and she can vibrate things lucky girl <laughs> yes <laughs> unlucky the flash yes but he had it coming because dude had some serious rage issues going on oh my gosh 
that guy looked so angry and so crazy when he's breaking the punching <laughs> arrow. I love the boxing glove arrow so much. Mm-hmm. I know we talk a lot of shit about Speedy and he totally deserves it, but whenever he or Green Arrow use a boxing glove arrow, I am delighted. I liked that, and I also liked his use of the grease arrow, Uh huh. which uh-huh. I don't know that I'd seen that one before. Yep, greases up the steps in front of the Flash, but mm-hmm. to no avail. But it did slow him down enough for Wonder Girl to redeploy her magic lasso, which it seems like she must have a bunch of. Because they're able to use it on pretty much everybody and then tie them all up together at the end. Mm-hmm. Does she just have, like, disposable ones? Does she have a whole, like, utility belt, only it's just filled with... Where would this be? Lasso's costume. Um, at this point, I thought she still had a little... Nope, she's got no skirt. I think she just has one. Okay. And she just has to do be really careful with it. Okay. Fair enough. It gets taken away, she has to get it back. Right, but like, how can she go and tie somebody else up with it if she has somebody tied up Perhaps with it's it? very, very long. Maybe it has magical properties of... What, you can use both, properties, both but... lengths, uh, both ends of it at great length. I think that would tangle up everything else on the continent. Dude, she is fighting people who are like... Very far away from each other. The only other answer is that she she has a great many of them, and that's just not tenable, Hub. Why why is that less tenable? Why is her... Okay, she has an invisible plane. Maybe she can have an invisible bag of holding that is just filled with lassos. I just meant, like, by really long, like, 20 feet long. Okay, 20 feet long is not going to cut it if it is being used to tie up five separate people that are hundreds of miles apart. Oh, does that happen? I don't know how else they would all... Like, she ties up the Flash, but they've already captured... Wait. She, well, it's After she ties people up, she's like, okay, you have to listen to me now. Like, fucking go to jail. And but she, but she doesn't. They're them all them just sitting there. there. No, she yells at him. She says, you have to obey my commands. and like. Yeah, but they're all sitting there. They didn't go to jail. She took and it See, off. she ties up Batman. Oh, no, there's two. Oh, no, this is all just Wonder Girl doing it. Oh, you know what? Maybe she did. Hmm. She borrowed. She Wonder borrowed Woman's. Wonder Woman's lasso after Robin had neutralized her. Okay. Okay. No bag you of guys, holding. You guys, mystery solved. She might also have an invisible bag of holding. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that if you run quickly enough on the ocean, you can make a water elevator that will reach an aeroplane? Of course, I knew that, Corey. Everybody knows that. I was shocked. It's common knowledge. That's uh, why they don't let me run that fast. Oh, good thing they don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I enjoyed that too. As And he's just like, hey, I got a little something I was saving in case this was going to happen. But I like Kid Flash using his powers that way because that, again, as I said, it make, gives it a very Silver Age feel mm-hmm. to really the whole backstory thing. One other thing that I liked is that Robin keeps a very elaborate diary that he keeps, that he writes in front of dripping gothic-looking candles. It's like a, you know, like, scrapbooking is really big now, Uh apparently. He was, like, maybe one of the OGs of scrapbooking. I feel like there is a panel where we see it writing, and he's got, like, a giant pen in his hand. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a quill. Like... I think he's into some serious goth shit. If you look at the sheer quality and amount of super drippy candles that are mm-hmm. lying around this dark place where he keeps his... He's listening to Dead Can Dance and... Uh-huh, Bauhaus, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And honestly, the other goth kids would be super jealous of him. He lives in a cave. And he's like best friends with the Batman. Uh-huh. Which is like the gothiest of Yeah, not guys. so much in the Silver Age, but Oh, that's true. That's much dark, more yeah. dark night time. But Yeah, he was more Adam Westy at that point. Oh, that's true. That's Because <laughs> goths love rich people with mansions. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he probably when Robin's hanging out with his other goth friends, he he definitely plays up the like Yes, we have bats and we live in a cave and it's very dark. And he probably plays down the, and there's a giant penny and a giant dinosaur. I can have whatever ice cream I want. Uh-huh. I think he plays that up to everybody. Even Goths love ice cream. It's delicious. Yeah. Especially when it gets hot out. Mm. Goths do not handle the heat well. No. They need those little parasols. So. Mm. And that brings us to most of the end of the flashback, when then who shows up? The Antithesis. (laughs) Oh, what the fuck is that thing, man? Okay, I want you to try to describe him, because I've been trying to work on a description of him, and for the most part, words fail me. So, if you're like a five or six-year-old kid... Okay, I'm with you. ...and you see the War of the Worlds... And you have a nightmare, and you wake up, and your dad's like, draw what you saw. (laughs) Something like this might come So, it's not the nightmare that you saw. It's your attempt as a five-year-old to draw the nightmare that you saw. It looked to me like, it kind of reminded me like a little bit of those Axe Cock comics where it's like it's like if a kid was like okay and this thing has like a uh, like a dog face with like but it's losing its hair and its eyes are all crazy but he's got this uniform and his arms are these tentacle things yeah there's these droopy three-fingered tentacles mm-hmm. he's got a crypt keeper's head and then a scuba man's body kind of and then his legs are like if a chicken was also the thing from Marvel Comics. Yeah. Uh, but gray. Um, and then, oh yeah. And then it's like, okay, I think I've done this. I think I've got it's like, wait, 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 wait. You know that one Lego piece that's from the, when you're trying to make the front of a spaceship? Yeah, staple that to his nutsack. And he's got suction cups on the end of his fingers. Yes. Uh, I think that's a fairly accurate description of him. Yeah. It is the ugliest villain it is crazy. I've ever seen drawn. For something who seems like it has the power, the, the potential to be very powerful and like can take over five of the most powerful superheroes on the planet. Mm-hmm. Or, well, three and Batman and Green Arrow. Which, I gotta say, weird choices. Like, he's been monitoring mm-hmm. Earth's powers and he's like, okay, I need five guys to go on a crime wave. He goes with those five. He doesn't include, oh, I don't know, fucking Superman. Well, there was some some kind of foreshadowing that maybe he did. The kids were going to go to Superman. They're like, no, yeah. shit, what if he's in on this cape or two? Yeah, no, but he didn't. We don't know that. Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. I mean, okay. So it's, how uh, how do they defeat him in the most anticlimactic battle ever? How do you... It's anti, antithesis or anticlimactic. Uh, because as a, how will we ever defeat you? Oh, you already did. Did that that? Oh, you're right, because if Superman was still... If Superman was still out power, there committing crimes... It is the most complicated fuel-up system that this supervillain has. Wait, do they have to be doing crimes for yeah, him to no, get they, his energy? They have to be successfully doing crimes for him to get his energy. 
it makes energon cubes like the transformers use look like fucking solar panels mm-hmm. like it's the most complicated fueling up system possible he has to go to a planet select five avatars and somehow the energy that is created from them successfully completing crimes will make him more powerful so that he can do i don't know what he doesn't really seem to have any motivation other than fueling himself up and what if it doesn't just have to be superheroes like what if it's just anti antithetical behavior from anybody mm, i think that might do the trick it's it's kind of nebulous i cuz like, he does say things like committing crimes yeah what like so what if he gets like a bunch of doctors and makes them violate the hippocratic oath or what if he went t'other way and was like t'other way yeah what if he goes other way and makes wait is that a word uh yeah okay it's a contraction of the and other <laughs> very um, good top drawer okay yes um what if he were to say make the joker and lex luther do some volunteer work in a nursing home sure like successfully yeah they would have to six that's <laughs> Maybe that is why he went that direction. It is much easier to succeed and complete evil tasks, I think, than good ones. Mm. Especially um, if you've got superpowers. Right. Now, it's... I don't know if it is just things antithetical. It's like, I am a being of energy. I draw my power from creatures such as you. Energy created when you are successful in deeds of a criminal nature. Yeah, that is really weird. It's specific. really oddly specific. Well, because his name is... The antithesis, antithesis. so you would think that, but I, yeah. Like, you're a clown, don't be creepy, okay, I got power. It may not even be that that is, like, he just maybe chose chose a name because he thought it sounded cool. Like, maybe he just, like, was like, "Eh, I just really like Hegel. Mm. Like, thesis, antithesis, I'm all about that shit. I'm gonna synthesize Um, the hell out of this. Yeah. Alright. And he was like, I'll call myself the synthesizer. Oh, and then he listened to some craft work and he's like, shit, that is rad, but it's not evil like me. Mm. Can't. It's taken. Nah. <laughs> Maybe a little evil. I like Kraftwerk. Yeah. I think they're great. Um, Corey, you're being quiet. Do you not think Kraftwerk's great? I'm not as familiar as I could be with their sonic stylings. Fair enough. I like Kruder and Dorfmeister. They sound German. Yeah, that's a fun name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different deal. So, I don't know. Let's talk about Roy Harper a little oh, bit. Oh, at the end. Yeah. He, uh, he has kind of a mitigation i think of his behavior previous mm. where he's like i know we clash but i i love you guys i think you're great says a hearty farewell he really takes over at the end of the issue mm-hmm. he busts in and nobody else gets a word in edgewise as he is saying hearty goodbyes to everyone mm-hmm. and saying that like yeah the titans are broken up that okay it does not mitigate his previous behavior for because he does also make sure that he gets in at least one more non-consensual back rub on Harlequin, which is creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. He's got to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Not cool, Roy. Not cool. But what did you want to say about Roy? Oh, basically that. But and and you know also that in keeping with his character, pretty much all the time, like at the very beginning of the run too he like establishes his his kind of oh yeah, yeah independent yeah. roguish dickish nature 
And they were like, oh, this is so awesome. We should totally be part of a club and, like, fight crime. And he's like, no, fuck that, man. I don't want to have no meetings. I don't want to have no clubhouse. Yeah, okay. You don't want meetings. That's fine. Every teen wants a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. It's just You're just sense. full of shit, Roy. You just want to go out and score some skag. And Robin's like, no, no, that's cool, man. That's you cool. just show up when you want. Like, yeah, so you don't you don't have to you join up when you want to, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and but, but at the end, he's just he's like shedding. So he's he's I love crying. You guys. He's crying. He's got that uh, single yeah, tear, single manly tear dripping mm-hmm. down his face. His best pals in the whole world, the only people he ever really connected with, mm-hmm. they're going their separate ways. I kind of wish they had stuck with just Donna's suggestion initially, though, that they call this themselves. The Titans, because the Teen Titans was that was Aqualad's idea to throw the teen in there, mm-hmm. and it makes things awkward later. I think. Well, it almost makes it so they have to either change their name or break up. Yeah, when I mean they're off yeah, to like college, the, it's pretty much. Yeah, they get well, um, Yeah, they got yeah they got like menudo rules, like not the soup, which is delicious, but the band, which was also delicious. They were not teenagers. No, the the rules for Menudo was when you turn 17, you have to quit the group, and they'll replace you with a different member. Sorry. <laughs> don't know about Crawford, don't know about Menudo. <laughs> I know that it, uh, they they were on the Saturday morning, like in the cartoons, they would have segments where they would come on and like sing a song between the shows. Sometimes they did that. Yes, you are right. They are also, I don't know if this is still the case, but uh, some of my coworkers who had grown up in Mexico... They are still staggeringly popular there, or they were about 10 years ago. But, wait, have they just been replacing them? Yes, yes, it's a real ship of Theseus situation with Manuka. that is crazy. Like, I don't even know how they can still That's kind of genius, actually. Yeah, that was the whole idea. The self-replicating boy band? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, perpetual motion boy band. Oh, that's creepy as fuck. Terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think maybe that was the idea with the Teen Titans. But it, I feel like especially once we get into the new Teen Titans run, it, it becomes pretty clear that with the exception of probably Beast Boy, who was always written as a teenager, the rest of them are just supposed to be young adults, but they are saddled with the teen part of their name. Thanks a lot, Aqualad. Yep. And what, but he's still Aqualad. He's I still know, great. I know you're struggling with you that. Can't, can't stay mad at that kid. And what's the, the bit of dialogue around that was kind of funny, too, where he's like, we just need everybody to know we're special, so we'll be called the Teen Titans. Yeah. He's exactly. like, we've got our own thing that we're doing. Isn't it awesome? The teen thing. Yeah. It's just, that's adorable. Mm. That's scamp. So, before we get into the minutia of the who was the best, what was the best, I don't know if you read any of the notes that are at the end. In lieu of a letter column, they say, hey, sorry guys, the series has been canceled, so rather than... Print a bunch of letters that may not apply, asking for us to, us to do things that we're not going to get to do. Here's what some of the characters are going to be up to. And some of them, it's just like, Robin's going to keep appearing in Batman. Aqualad's going to keep appearing in Aquaman comics. Kid Flash will show up from time to time in the Flash comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't have their ongoing things, they add a little, like, like at the end of Animal House, the, like, this is what this guy's up to. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, did you read any of that? I did not. Okay, well... What do you think Ganark is up to? And it answers our question about his uniform. Is he working for UPS? No. He is an auto mechanic. Oh. He's going back to his auto mechanic shop, which is weird. I don't like that. 
I don't like it. First of all, he was an academic. Well, and a social worker of sorts, right? Yeah, well, a sociologist more than a social worker. Uh-huh. But it just seems odd to me. And, and honestly, it seems kind of demeaning to auto mechanics, which is really, really difficult that when they dumbed him down, they decided to make him a mechanic. Which, if you're going to go full caveman on the dude and have that side of him come back, motherfucker, weren't any fucking automobiles back in caveman times? Why would that be his go-to? Like, why wouldn't he just be doing either, like, brute physical labor Mm -hmm. or stick with the original character and make him more of an academic? Mm -hmm. That was frustrating to me. Sure. They also get in kind of a little ding at uh, Golden Eagle uh, and are like, he'll probably be trying to make something uh, successful of himself, maybe by keeping a job for more than a week without getting fired. It's like, you got a lot of like animosity towards this character that you may do those things. Mm-hmm. You're the writer of it. It's like we were talking about uh, Cerberus mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. and how Dave Sim, I think, has a tendency to justify his misogyny by creating female characters and having them behave in a terrible manner and then point to them and being like, see, isn't isn't that awful when women do that thing? And it's like, yeah, you just wrote her doing. Like, you just made her do that. You you can't. Did Rosakis have a teenage son at the time he was writing Golden Eagle? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe that he did. Or just like a friend who had long hair that he was like jealous of or something. <laughs> I think there was something going on, but it's just like, dude, you, you can't be mad at him for doing the things that you wrote him doing. Yeah, no, it's a good point. But it also says that uh, Mal and Karen will likely be showing up soon in the pages of Secret Society of Supervillains, which is a pretty fun comic book that was going out at the time, which Rosakis had, I think, just taken... He was alternating writing that with Jerry Conway. Only Secret Society of Supervillains got canceled almost at the exact same time as this. It lasted maybe a month longer, so... Mm. Mal and Karen didn't get to show up there. Bummer. And so, we don't know where that fucking horn is. Ah, that's so frustrating. <laughs> Somebody to me. is out there fucking to key Yorkin his ass off, even in the odds. Probably fucking with Vegas. Ah, uh, and we don't know. That's just lazy. Maybe there was an arc in there somewhere, and they just didn't get to finish it. The numbers were bad. They canceled the series. But I'm super uh, annoyed. I'm. I am too. That's very, very frustrating. So, hmm. what was your favorite dialogue? You know, we we touched on this earlier, and I feel a little bit awkward citing it as my favorite dialogue because it is so creepy. But that's why it stood out to me. Okay, it's is pretty it weird when Robin has Wonder Woman tied up. Yeah, and um, it's him in what I imagine is a cheerful kind of voice, which makes it even I- creepier. Saying, "I've done my homework on your weaknesses, and knowing that being bound by a man makes you powerless earns me an A plus." That is, I think if you back it up, it's even creepier, though. Hmm. Because she says, by the goddesses, I've been bound by a man. And he says, so we're children until we beat you, then we're men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's some weird shit. So creepy. So creepy. It. Yeah, that was... I decided to go with my favorite uh, dialogue, and it's not much. This was actually pretty light on slang, which was kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I think tough. if you're going to do a Haney pastiche for an issue, you fucking really dial up the crazy jive talk. But 
it is Aqualad climbing aboard the ocean liner that Topo and his Octopals are robbing. And he says, I need to get a fisheye view of what's happening on board. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. I also like when he says Octopals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, it was a it was a very light on the slang in this issue. Yep, very so, straightforward. On the other hand, what was your favorite panel? <laughs> there were so many to choose from. There were, and I definitely had a lot more. But I think my my favorite one is um, I called it Pirate Vogue. <laughs> it's on page five, and it's one yes. that we discussed already with uh, Aquaman doing his flexing his wide kneed fist bump squat hero pose thing. <laughs> It is fucking charming. It I love this Aquaman, and I I would read whole comics about the adventures of evil pirate Aquaman uh, and his legion of he's saying octopals goofy too, right? Like there's all these gems on the floor. He's like, look at all this loot, and Topo's like, yeah. He's saying, fine work, Topo. This is a treasure worthy of Captain Kid. Yeah. He's so excited. He is flexing his biceps for his aqua pals. His octo aqua pals. Delightful. Yep. Yeah, no, that is terrific. I, man, I, I'm tempted to go with one of the two panels of Batman whooping the tar out of Robin. Mm. And I do love that Aquaman panel. And there is something about that first appearance of the antithesis. Which, man, I mean, it's so... It's just unsettling. It's so goofy. The look of pure rage on the Flash's face when he snaps that boxing glove arrow in half. That was one of mine. I had that, too. It's going, ah! Yep, page 12, Mad Flash. Yeah. But the one that I actually have to go for is... And it's nice because it is the move that eventually KOs the antithesis. It is... Aqualad doing a flying double punch right in Green Arrow's dick. Just flying double dick punch. Wham. Pow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He punches his dick so hard that that everything but his arms and legs disappears. It's It's like in the movie Torque when they ride the motorcycle. Past so fast past things that everything they ride the motorcycle by explodes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's not like that very much at all, but it did let me bring up Torque, which you guys need to go see the movie Torque. It's amazing. That was a good flying dick punch. It's a really good flying dick punch. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best. Yeah, yeah, and that is why that is my favorite panel. Fair. So, who is your favorite Titan this issue? So, Maybe controversial, but I'm gonna go with Robin. Because he did get his ass handed to him by Batman. Sure, but sure. out of a lot of the, the these mentors, like, Batman would be the creepiest, most, like, authoritarian father figure, tough guy. Yeah, and he's... I would be scared to... Literally to his just, adopted father. To too. punch. Yeah. And to fight with. Yeah. And uh, the fact that he he's just like, you know, you taught me to... All bad guys need to get locked up, and so I'm going to do my best to lock yep. you up. You know... Not big on subtlety, but but really sticks to the principles. And then I also liked that he was really instrumental in basically bringing the Titans together as a as a team. Sure. Which I also don't like that he's a dick who tries to boss everybody around. But right. in this issue, the way that he does it, it acquits he acquits himself as a 
a good spirited like let's form this team and make a club guys like let's have some fun and i like the idea of him as a goth who keeps a very elaborate diary with a giant quill and dri- drippy arrows yeah, drippy and drippy candles drippy arrows yeah drippy you arrows can, yeah you can tell he you know he loves these guys like he, he does he put together that scrapbook with so much detail and mm-hmm. so lovingly yep a great that, deal of care yeah People can just glance through it and get all of this information from it. I know. If only we had that scrapbook. Oh, man. So, yeah. In a way, Corey, in a way, Mm. we kind of do. Oh, shit. Who is your favorite Titan? Well, you're right about Robin. Wonder Girl did use multiple lassos. She did a great job. She did a really good job, too. And much as I give him shit, I, I appreciated Roy's heartfeltness at the end although i think he probably could have done without threatening to shoot arrows at uh mal Mal and karen if they don't invite him to his wedding but he's still got to be roy being roy and real arrows too not cupid arrows. not cupid arrows he's like i will will kill you i will murder you yeah if you don't wedding or else because i love you so much yeah i'm not creepy guys i'm not creepy at all here's a back row (laughs) (laughs) so obviously he's in contention okay but None of those guys did a giant flying dick punch to Green Arrow. And I had a sense that was going to tip the scales so, in Aqualad's favor. I'm going to go with Aqualad. Fair enough. So I think he did a really great job. And that brings us to the end of the Teen Titans series. Dang. So, yeah. That's some shit, man. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do, so next week... I think you're going to have the week off and I'm going to do an episode with uh, that I've been trying to hook up with a while with a guest mm-hmm. for one of the older Brave and the Bold issues that, that is, is from, from further in the back issue catalog, but uh, that will be completing this Titan run. And then the week after that, we're going to come back with a later, I believe it is a, I can't remember if it's Brave and the Bold or World's Finest, but... It came out after this, and it is a Bob Haney-written Teen Titans story, Oh, uh, which will be fun. But as part of that, I want you to think about it. i got some homework for you, Corey. Mm. We're going to do some Titans Awards. Oh. We're going to do Best Issue. Okay. We're going to do Best Writer. We're going to do Worst Writer. Mm. And we're going to do Worst Issue. Mm-hmm. Any other categories you think we should have? Uh, maybe weirdest issue? That's going to be kind of a... Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Tough and one. and I think that that might actually bleed into favorite, at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we can... So... How about maybe saddest? Okay, saddest is a good one, actually. Yeah. What's yeah. The, what's the saddest We can do that issue? and come up with a couple of nominations for it's each one. the one that one made too. you feel the... Feel the most? The worst, yeah. yeah. Just feel just the most. Just feel the most. Why would you feel yeah. something? Yeah. Mm. Other than anger. Mm. Like, you can't be mad at the story. It has to be creating pathos, not just, uh, not just, wait, what? Just, where the fuck is Mal's horn? Yeah. Jesus. Or, I'm sorry, Aqualad feels how about himself? <laughs> oh, Mal has another inferiority complex? <sighs> mm. Uh, best artist, worst artist, too. So yeah, I want you to think about that stuff. Okay. And uh, yeah, and we'll come back. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And listeners, we will see you next week. This has been a hell of a fucking run. I, I can't.
can't believe we made it all the way through. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's been fun. It's been really fun. I've been really enjoying this. And partly, you were saying that you reconnected with somebody that you hadn't heard from since elementary school, mm-hmm. who's listened to the podcast, who you gave a comic book to when you were in elementary school. Yep. Um, and I've been really enjoying getting to hear from and getting to know some of uh, some of you, dear listeners, which, God damn it, I wish we had a better nickname for our listeners. Mm. If, uh, if you can think of any wasteoids, that just sounds derogatory. I don't mean that. That's not I don't great. want to call you people that. But you guys are great. Uh, you're all real pies that aren't made out of steel. And I enjoy, enjoy all of our correspondencies. If you would like to join in the fun of talking to me. <laughs> oh, how I envy you. <laughs> you can do so by reaching us at ttwasteland.gmail.com. <laughs> You can also uh, look us up on Tumblr. We're up on the iTunes. We've got a Facebook page. We are now on Twitter at TTWasteland underscore. Yeah, yeah, to echo what Hub said, thanks for all the correspondence and messages and uh, pictures posted on the Facebook stuff, and it's been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. We We get get to to live live another another hour. Enjoy, enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) And they know it Let's go The Joker in Clowning Around Ha 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 ha! You fools! <laughs> Scream! Shriek! Ah! You think I'm the clown, but I'm the Joker in disguise. Deadly funny. Deadly for you, Ringmaster. Funny for me. Fling a dart. Joker, is this your revenge because I turned you down for my circus? <laughs> Not even your clowns would take me seriously, Steve. Now I've got the last laugh. <laughs> No, you don't, Joker, because your your darts have no power and no points. You see, before the show, my real clown offered you some delicious hostess fruit pies, and you refused, so we knew that you had to be crazy, you had to be the Joker, and we switched the darts on you. Apple, cherry, blueberry, real fruit filling, better than a three-ring circus. Hostess fruit pies, tender crust, as any joker knows, there's no substitute. Especially this joker. Maybe I should try the movies next time. You You get a big delight in every bite of hostess fruit pies. (laughs) You know how there was Twinkie the Kid for Twinkies? Mm -mm. Who was like a Twinkie wearing a cowboy hat with a lasso? I didn't know that he had a name. Yeah, they have Matt. That was Twinkie the Kid. Oh, shit. But there was, I think there was, like, Hostess Fruit Pie Magician, who was just, like, a lumpy-looking fruit. He just looked like a lumpy turd that was wearing a top hat and a cape. Oh, that's a bad idea. But it, he wasn't a turd. He was a, a Hostess Fruit Pie. I know, I know. Did he have a monocle? He wasn't a baron. He was a magician. <laughs> oh. I get those mixed up. <laughs> Did... And you may have. Now that you say it, I, I'm picturing him. No, I'm thinking Mr. Peanut. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what are fucking delicious? Peanuts? Um, chocolate aisles. 
If I was leaping Lanny Poffo, I'd have sweet drop kick. If I was leaping Lanny Poffo, I'd have big drop kicks and throw frisbees to the crowd. We'd eat blah, 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 bl